and welcome to another episode of What's on the Pile. I'm Nathan Besner, and joining me is Shane Lee. What's up? Jane Belcastro. Huzzah! And Jenner. Happy New Year! <laughs> yes, indeed. Happy New Year from us here at What's on the Pile as we take a look at two New Year's themed, or at least partially themed, movies. Uh, first up is 200 Cigarettes, an Altman-esque late 90s offering, although it takes place in the 80s on New Year's Eve. Uh, we'll follow several characters interweaving tales as they all try to make it to a New Year's party, uh, including Martha Plimpton, Janine Garofalo, Paul Rudd, Courtney Love, Kate Hudson, and Christina Ricci. Uh, it, it was very 90s. Um, <laughs> following that, we have an adaptation of a Nick Hornby book in A Long Way Down, the story of four people with suicidal ideation coming together at the same spot to kill themselves on New Year's Eve, only to form a bond and a self-help group of sorts. Uh, starring P uh, Pierce Brosnan, Imogene Poots, uh, Aaron Paul, and Tony Collette. Uh, but first up, 200 Cigarettes. Uh, I thought this was on my pile, but it turns out I totally pulled the Eugene. Uh, uh -oh. <laughs> I have definitely seen this movie. I, I remembered all of it as, it as I watched it, finally. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I love this movie. Um, I, I we occasionally throw a movie on each other's piles, and I, I was like, y'all need to see this. <laughs> it's the best New Year's movie ever. Hot sucker proxy. All right, that's my second favorite, and then I still like Strange Days. Trading so. places. I yeah, yeah, I suppose I that counts. I don't really think of that as a New Year's movie because it's spread over several weeks. But yeah, eh, eh. I mean the climax is during New Year's Eve or on. New Year's or something. It's been a That's while. A, I can't it's, a, it's a while. That's a fair point in any case. Uh, so yeah, this was on my pile. I, it was, I remember this movie being on my, my Netflix disc queue uh, <laughs> back in the day, and I just never got around to it. So. Been a minute. Yep. No, I, 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 I saw this because Jane made me. <laughs> like, like prior that, to it was New Year's. That, that it's be, sort of that, my tradition. Yeah, I, I had gotten, uh, I, had, uh, I had had her watch The Hudsucker Proxy the year before, and you know, she was always going on about 200 cigarettes, and uh, I guess you finally found a copy, or you finally found no, the copy well, that you had? No, um, what we did was we watched Hudsucker Proxy, and I was like, that was great, but... <laughs> and then I went on eBay and ordered it, and we had it for a full year before we watched it again. Or before we watched it. Had no. I, I did really like this movie, uh, actually. It's, uh, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Some of the plot lines are definitely stronger than others. Some of the plot lines definitely, you know, make sense. Or I got the feeling there was a lot of this that ended up on the cutting room floor just to keep it at a manageable release time. Uh, MTV Productions is not in the habit of releasing movies this long in the first place, much less movies longer than this. Mm -hmm. um, certainly wasn't at the uh, at the time this was released, which I guess was nineteen ninety nine. But uh, no, it's uh, it's. Uh, I mean the the cast is the cast is absolutely freaking stacked. Uh, I mean, both Afflecks, uh, the the most amusingly dorky Ben Affleck I think has ever been in a movie, <laughs> with the possible exception of some of the scenes in Daredevil. Uh, but, um, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, couldn't resist. Uh, you know, uh, Dave Chappelle is the cabbie, uh, making a major impression around the same time. I guess this was a little bit after Con Air, but before he really kind of reached the uh, you know the sort of the Chappelle show uh, status that he had later on. And I also uh, noticed that he remains consistent in that he made a trans joke. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. 
Well, uh, yeah, well. <laughs> you know, the opening scene, maybe it made sense at the time, but seeing Paul Rudd, Courtney Love, and Dave Chappelle in a scene together, I was like, holy shit, how did this happen? <laughs> you know, nowadays, that would make no sense whatsoever, but I guess in 1999, that's something that could happen. And of course, Paul, Paul Rudd, uh, given certain variations in hairstyle, otherwise looking remarkably similar to his uh, continued present appearance. The, the uh, sexiest man alive, <laughs> as, as of this recording. Immortal charm demon. Um, I did like his his uh, sideburns. Those were those were serious. Yeah, they were serious. But you know, the thing I liked about it with uh, Paul Rudd is that we're not used to seeing him being some you know dramatic douche canoe, and (laughs) at least not anything I can think of. Have you seen the uh, the Duncan Jones film Mute, an Amazon original? He plays a flat out villain in that. Yeah, you actually Sweet. saw that. You, no, you saw no, that with me. No, I did? No. Yeah. You remember that's the uh, the one that's a sort of follow-up to Moon uh, that uh, had the one, uh, the oh. one sequence with uh, with a courtroom full of Sam Rockwells. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Giant mustache okay. on Paul Rudd in that one. Okay, yeah. I'm going to have to watch it again. That was an interesting movie. But, I, didn't, uh, I didn't know uh, there was a sequel to Moon. It wasn't a sequel. No, it's it's just by Duncan Jones. It, oh, no, it's okay. a, it's another movie in the same universe. It's yes. not a it's yeah, not okay. a direct sequel, but they do I, make reference to the events. Uh, of I, I wasn't crazy about that one. I think it stars Alexander Sarsgaard. Sarsgaard. Yeah. Sarsgaard. Always get this. So he's the son of Stellan Oh, uh, I remember that movie. Yeah, yeah. that's on my yeah, file. It was, yeah, it was one of the early-ish Netflix originals. Yeah, but um. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little while back, but yeah. yeah no, the point the point is Rudd. Uh, uh, that's uh, mute was absolutely the douchiest uh, that uh, that Rudd has ever been, uh, but uh, at least that, certainly that I've seen. But uh, in this, he's you know kind of navel gazing. He's not actually a bad guy. Um, yeah, well, he's I, he's not bad, but yeah, I guess we'll we'll go with navel gazing. I just kind of was like he just had some sort of what he thought a woman should be to him. I guess is is that. Does that make sense? I don't know. He's all up his own thing. Uh, Yeah. But uh, 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 at the same time, uh, great chemistry with Courtney Love, uh, proving once again that uh, whatever, uh, that Courtney Love is a fine actress. I'll put it that way. (laughs) She was was good in this. She was good in uh, the Larry Flint movie. She's a fine actress. Yeah. Yes, fine. No no further comment on that subject. (laughs) Oh, by the way, sorry, Jane. I was not crazy about this movie, actually. That's okay. We could talk about it. Well, I mean, so so we we joked about you know we joked about doing that movie New Year's. Well, I don't know if we really even joked about it, but the the, the Gary Marshall movie New Year's Eve and all those holidays. I think I just... slap that down every time yeah. we mention it because I just straight up don't want to watch that right. movie. Right, <laughs> but like this is basically the hipster version of that. I don't know if this is that much better. It's maybe less saccharine, and I don't know that. I I, I was not super into this i kind of couldn't follow who all the different characters were other than the other than the, the faces i recognized a lot of the characters for me just kind of fell flat and have to admit and, the faces you recognized is most of the people in the movie yeah there's, 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 there's a few subplots with characters i didn't know or with actors i didn't know um i'm trying to remember the ones who were with the british guy those two girls i didn't know who they were eh. uh i don't know there, there's a handful or is he British or Irish or something? I got it. Irish. He was, he was Scot- Scottish. I thought he, I thought he was Irish. Yeah, yeah. It was probably Scottish. Because I always make it that was... mistake. I thought the he guy... said he was Irish, but I yeah, don't guy, remember that. The guy who's bad at sex, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's his main Well, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, one of those uh, one of those girls was the uh, was Angela Featherstone, who is. 
probably my favorite actress nobody ever talks about. Um, just real, really ter- terrific and absolutely gorgeous actress. Uh, appeared in not nearly enough material. I suppose probably her biggest role was as the sidekick of Robert Pastorelli's uh, character in the American version of Cracker, which itself is fearsomely underrated. Um, but uh, yeah, wonderful actress, never really had the career that she should have. Unbelievably gorgeous. Uh, uh, may have suffered earlier in her, in her career from uh, being the lead in Full Moon Pictures' Dark Angel, The Ascent. Um, <laughs> Oh, but even then, she was rather good in it. Uh, but uh, aside from that, uh, oh, go ahead. No, to everyone listening, I'd like to introduce our special guest who is <laughs> who has come to join us, uh, Matt Wagner. Hey. Hey. Come on, Matt. You're late. <laughs> 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 no, no, it's all right. <laughs> We're just talking about 200 cigarettes. In my defense, I thought it was 830. <laughs> no, no, that's bastards. Ah, uh, <laughs> <fault>. Yep. Yep, <laughs> yep. But in any case, did you have any thoughts on uh, on uh, 200 cigarettes, Matt? Uh 200 cigarettes was re- uh, as as a perspective on 1981 from 1999 was was so rose-colored glasses. Um It's a it's a pair of time capsules crammed together viewed now years 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 later. It didn't feel like 1981. It felt like it was set in 1999. Other yeah. than some of the music and some of the costumes, it felt very 90s. I didn't get that early 80s feel from it at all. Yeah, I'll go along with that as well. Um as a matter of fact, I I kept sort of doing a double take anytime there was any reference to the actual year it was supposed to be taking place in. It had I feel like the music was selected in such a way that if you were to go to all the parties that just happened to play all of the songs, which became, which were released in 1981, but became incredibly popular shortly thereafter, so that it's like you. So a lot of Blondie. Yeah, a lot of Blondie. Granted, I freaking love Blondie, so that worked. And Grace Jones. <laughs> yeah, a bit of Grace Jones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like greatest, but you're you're right. There is a certain nostalgia quality to it, and of course, at at this point, we're view, viewing it in a whole nother you know layer of nostalgia quality to it. But I don't know. It, it's an agreeable picture for the most part. Yeah, and it uh, did it. It was that sort of that sort of film that we watched uh, before we were old enough to be doing what the people in the film were doing, and. <laughs> Then we reached that age. Well, okay. We reached that age and we're like, the movies have lied to me. (laughs) Man, I wish I could go out and party. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I think the hardest I ever partied on New Year's Eve was with Nate. And we went to a bar and that was pretty much it. That was awesome. I I, I mean, we got pretty drunk, but it was just a bar. (laughs) I actually have a pretty wild story, but if my mom ever hears this, Oh God! I'll t- I'll t- I'll go ahead and tell you. Yeah, uh, your mom doesn't listen to podcasts. We went uh, we went to a Nine Inch Nails concert. This was 1995. Yeah, I uh, went to a Nine Inch Nails concert, dropped acid, and uh, got lost in the snow. So it was fantastic. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. That's this awesome. is my my friend Cindy and I. So so much fun. We did have a cell phone. It was one of the ones, the great big white ones with the cord that you put Oh, you had a mobile phone. We had a mobile phone. <laughs> yeah. And that was really the only way we managed to figure out where we were in the snow. <laughs> New Year's of 19... 
99 or 2000, I uh, somehow ended up at the party of a friend of a friend in which a blind man was shooting off fireworks. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. other than that, that was probably the most most story worthy. Um, oh, you know, you know what, Matt, we spent a New Year's together at Patrick's house. Yeah, uh, we did. I mean, I, I got pretty drunk. I don't know if it was crazy. There was there were a lot of TV set up for Halo. That's the main <laughs> thing I remember. <laughs> Actually, I think I remember that night in particular, because normally I'd suck at Halo, but I did fairly well that night, so. <laughs> you go you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, New, New Year's Eve is one of those things that's uh, always a little bit oversold by the relatively rare pictures that make a big deal of it. Uh I think this is one of the things that we were talking about a little bit before the show is we're watching these for New Year's because there aren't that many great New Year's Eve movies that we hadn't seen yet and most of the ones remaining. I mean, what are we going to do next year? New Year's Evil and you know, New Year, uh, Gary Marshall's New Year's Eve, which we're all kind of scrupulously avoiding because by all accounts, it's just a bad damn picture. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, I know, but sometimes it's the most fun to talk about. True. But I will say that I actually love this movie, uh, not just because of the, um, the insane cast and the nostalgia. I definitely have that nostalgia bubble. But I like that whole, you know, everybody's desperately trying to have fun, trying to find some sort of meaning. And they're working so hard at it. They, you know, as Dave Chappelle says, if you just relax, you know, maybe maybe you'd actually have a good time. <laughs> and I th- that's sort of how I feel every New Year's Eve. I'm like, I, I need to go party. I need to have fun. I need to, and then I'm like, you know, I, now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, just you know, watch a movie with my sweetie. We'll watch 200 cigarettes again, babe. <laughs> uh, I figured that was probably inevitable. I like this movie. I like this movie a lot. Uh, as I say, more than anything else, probably as sort of a time capsule inside a time capsule. Um, yeah, you know, like I say, the, uh, 1999 was an interesting time in my life. It was. And it, a fascinating year for movies just in general. I find it really peculiar that this movie apparently was released in February. Um, hmm. that, that is a strange weird. time to release, well, any movie, but particularly a movie about New Year's. So I'm guessing that it got shunted into a dump spot from a little bit before. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, February used to be a dump spot before they started releasing blockbusters in February. So yeah. that totally tracks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to give the wrong impression. I really did enjoy this movie quite a lot. Um, it's sort of the the idealized nostalgia factor um, caught me a little bit off guard. I wasn't quite ready for it to be such a, a remarkable idealization of wandering around the back streets of New York in 1981, which I think we all realized would be a pretty dangerous proposition at that time. Yeah, that was Avenue that was about B. <laughs> <laughs> great, great, fun little subplot with uh, with uh, uh, Gabby Hoffman and Christina Christina Ricci as the Jerseyest of all Jersey girls, mm. um, <laughs> Long Island. Ron, yeah, Long Island. Ron, Ron Long Island. That's right. Ron, Ron, Ron Concabo. <laughs> Long Island. <laughs> you know, picked up the Long Island pronunciation from Night Court back in the day, and have yet to yield it. Um, <laughs> I always like seeing Martha Plimpton. I'm a I'm a fan of hers ever since the Goonies. Uh and uh every time I see her I think back on the Goonies cuz she was one of my favorite characters in the Goonies. She was like the cool lady who d- doesn't 
isn't fawning over the guy, but is still kind of in on the adventure, but is also really super sarcastic. And she's carried that mental that uh that feeling for a long time for me. That that slight edge that she has. I mean, but, I think she I think she plays a similar character in Parenthood when she gets impregnated by Keanu Reeves. I think that's the character she plays, right? <laughs> uh, she's, she also I has that sort of, so. I believe that's, so. That's yes. sort of sarcastic, like sort of mean, but not really kind of edge to her that Nate's talking about. Hmm. I think she get uh, gets maybe the worst deal in this movie. Um, yeah, yeah. No, she got she got the photograph. She got the it. photograph, but she didn't get the memory. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love that you know Elvis Costello actually showed up. Yeah. He showed up. That was so great. Uh, yeah, we, and we, and her dress was wonderful. I know it was actually a retro dress, probably from you know vintage from the fifties, but I just oh I loved it. It was so pretty. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> These are the things that I key on. Realistically, love, you get to talk about this movie all you want. Uh, our, our, I think our, our contributions are going to be maybe a little bit on the limited side. Yeah, I mean, when Elvis Costello showed up very briefly, I was like, is that it? It, it, it would have been, been funny if that was it. I mean, that's, that's all he really shows up for. But then he, he's in the movie, you know, a little bit later, a little bit more later. But I thought it would have been funny because just, he just shows up and... No one ever comments on it. <laughs> well, cons considering the experience that he had in uh, Alex Cox's uh, bizarro western straight to hell, uh, I can imagine him not being terribly comfort uh, comfortable with uh, throwing a lot of uh, kind of screen time uh, in. <laughs> it's like, no, it's, if I'm going to appear in a movie again, it's going to be a cameo, damn it. Um, <laughs> can, can you elaborate on that a little? I can imagine working with Alex Cox is a little bit of a uh, being caught in a windstorm. Yeah. Well, Cox is fascinating in his own right. Cox, for, for, for those who are, are not, you know, who don't have their IMDb's handy, of course, uh, directed uh, Sid and Nancy and Repo Man and yay, uh, a yay. lot of... Uh, a lot of stuff Jane loves. <laughs> a lot of stuff Jane loves, uh, but... Uh, after uh, Sid and Nancy, he ended up making a movie called Straight to Hell, which was a Western starring, amongst others, Alex Cox and the Pogues. <laughs> it was such an abject disaster, not least by having been compromised a little bit uh, by some, I don't even remember who distributed it, but some uh, distributor interference in the cut of the film, uh, to the point where uh, a couple of decades later, uh, Cox himself released a uh, director's cult called Straight to Hell Revisited. Uh, they stopped releasing Alex Cox movies in theaters in the United States after that. Now, I'm actually on record as finding late-era Alex Cox uh, uh, movies, stuff like uh, Death and the Compass uh, and Revenger's Tragedy, more interesting than I find the stuff that actually did get theatrically released, for the most part, uh, or at least as interesting as the stuff that got theatrically released. I still haven't seen Straight to Hell, but my impression was Costello particularly had a very bad time. Mm. But yeah, we should we should do a uh, an early versus late Alex Cox weeks one of uh, week one of these days I'd as be well. Up for that, I'd love to revisit Alex Cox because I I love yeah. Repo Man so much. Me too. Oh my gosh, I mean the soundtrack. Well, yeah, and, and, and and I know it just shaped my life. And I know I mean, I've shown at least a couple of you Death in the Compass, but I'm pretty sure none of you have seen Revenger's Tragedy, and that's one that is definitely worth talking about uh, if if we can find a source for it that we can share. Um, I have a copy of Repo of Chick, so 
but uh, yeah, Repo Chick is interesting, and in as I liked uh, Repo Chick, I, I probably saw it. Don't remember it. I mean, it had a budget of about seventy five dollars, but uh, I don't know. It, it basically was what uh, the movie Alex Cox got to make uh, after. Uh, he ended up having a settlement with uh, with Universal uh, over them making a movie called Repo Men mm-hmm. that was completely unrelated to Repo Man. Um, the other one I really need to see is Bill the Galactic Hero, which is an adaptation of a Harry Harrison novel that was done as a student project by his film students at, I forget which college he taught at, but uh, you know the fact that it's a major uh, uh, like uh, cult SF literary adaptation that was done completely as a student film, but with a famous director. That's interesting. Hmm. Do we have any other comments, particularly to talk about two hundred cigarettes? Yeah, I was I was just <laughs> about to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, um, this is one of those episodes where the divergences are probably going to be the meat of the material. I think. That, I yeah. was disappointed that it wasn't more Janine Garofalo because I love her. Oh yeah, I love her. Great. Uh, but the moment she was on there was really really good. So, <laughs> I yeah I like that. I don't know how I felt about uh, the Jay Moore, Kate Hudson That was line. actually the one mm-hmm. I was just thinking about because that felt really contrived. That's the bit that's most kind of traditionally rom-commy, I think. You know, mm-hmm. there's the girl who's always a klutz about everything, and, the, and there's the guy who people just can't stop falling in love with the first time that they meet. That's... That's... Everything else feels like stuff that could actually happen. That feels like something somebody wrote, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. It was still funny. It's kind of funny. I mean, props <laughs> There was pr- some serious, you know, slap pratfalls and stuff. I, I, I mean, liked pro- Kate Hudson. I liked Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson was absolutely game. This was, you have to remember, before Almost Famous, which is, you know, the point where, where she really hit big. Uh, but at the same time, it's a very pretty girl with a very famous mom and dog shit on her dress. That's yeah. yeah. You know, that, that 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 takes you know someone uh, someone who came to get shit to, that that's an actress who came to take shit down. You know, um, there there were a lot of douchebags in this movie. I yeah, there really oh, were. Yeah. There were some there were some people who I think would be judged as fairly irredeemable these days. Um, that that guy in particular, but. Uh, and there's, in some respects, I mean, the storylines are a little uh, played out. The uh, the long-term friends who suddenly realize maybe they're in love with one another. But with a modern There was a kind of a bigger twist than that. Yeah. Because she knew that his ex sort of girl, sort of ex-girlfriend was out there and lured him back there. So they get caught together. I mean... She was trying to kill a relationship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that was right. Well, it but is then again, love. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> just, like I say, like lying there. Like I mean, to me, that was, you shouldn't that be. was some nuance uh, there. But, uh, I mean, yeah. you know, there's some, some shady stuff going on. And I'll admit that, you know, Paul Rudd was kind of. It, it's a this. movie that's certainly very agreeable while you're watching it. Realistically, it ve- remains very agreeable in retrospect, but the characters grow less agreeable the more you think about them. Yeah, this following the male characters. Yeah, the the the, the male the, the males in this movie are pretty abject mess. I mean, like exactly. you say, there's the there's the dude who's bad at sex. 
Good Lord, Ben Affleck. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was so my, my funny. Note, my, my note for Ben Affleck is unfortunate hair, unfortunate moves. Yes. Like, yes. In his first scene as a bartender. And he has, he has fucking screech hair. Yes. R.I.P. Justin Diamond, but that hair, where did that come from? I mean, <laughs> and that's straightened really fast. I, I mean, given that basically he's kind of a walking punchline for about three different jokes, Affleck is hilarious in this movie. <laughs> As he walks off screen and a bottle smashes. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> he's like a terrible bartender. They only probably hired him to keep the women drinking. So, I don't know. I, of I course... almost... Sorry. Oh, go no, it's fine. I, I was just going to say I, I almost felt bad for him because uh, he kept getting ditched. I think we were yeah. supposed to until he opened his mouth during that one monologue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, Oof. Oh, God. We finally saw what his actual personality was. Right, right. I said almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I say, punchline for about three different jokes. Uh, wonderfully affectless performance by uh, by uh, Affleck there. Uh, mm. That was probably a bit of a reach. Uh, but uh, no, a, 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 a wonderfully uh, egoless performance coming two years after Armageddon and, you know, years, uh, several years after all of the, uh, I mean, this was the same year that Dogma came out. He's like, he could, he could have been thinking, man, I'm a lead, but no, no, he just, you know, he hangs back in the ensemble. He does the work. Uh, and, and and I th I think that's admirable for an actor who was fairly big at that point. Really, you could say that about a lot of the characters in this. This is a, a, a pretty much a who's who of fashionable young Hollywood, I guess, uh, from 1999. Um, I've never been big on Ben Affleck myself. I always, I don't know, I I just never liked him as a uh, as a performer. He always seemed to have this like smug edge to him that really turned me off. I mean, sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. I find that I generally like him for what that's worth. Uh, I, I like him as a director, except for his latest. I didn't like Live by Night. That was terrible. But is this what do you mean? Three movies before that? I think we're all we're all solid. Or maybe it was two. Nope. The Town, Argo, and Town Gone was Baby good. Gone. Argo, was, Argo good. was pretty terrific. Uh, yeah. Gone Baby Gone was a terrific movie. I never, ever, ever want to see again. <laughs> um, but uh, it's no fault of anybody in it. It's just uh, well, except it's Dennis Lehane's fault. That's yes. that's what it oh. is. Uh, He's a terrible writer. <laughs> yeah, like I say, if you're gonna make Dan Dennis Lehane tolerable, you need Martin Scorsese. And even then, I didn't like it on first viewing. It took until second viewing for me to really appreciate Shutter Island. But you know, realistically, if it's Dennis Lehane, bad things are going to happen to children in Boston. That's that's what you go for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, li li Live by Night was was fucking awful, and that was pretty much undistilled Dennis Lehane. Oof. Yeah. Ugh. I don't. Know. I I I got a copy uh, for a dollar from the Dollar Tree. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I'm sure I'll get around to it. But uh, we'll see if it stays in the uh, in uh, in uh, the chronological order or ends up on the pile in the hallway. Um, <laughs> So the, so the movie this kind of makes me, reminds me of to some degree, and this could be just me, and this could be my bad memory playing up, but for some reason I got a swingers vibe off of this. And maybe it's just the concentration on dialogue and the wandering of people through the, the nightlife of the, the city as the only real connections uh, that you can draw there, or if it's 
something in the attitude of it. I know it's it's completely different beasts here, but for some reason, throughout this film, I kept flashing back to moments of Swingers. Anybody else have that, or was I alone? I did not have that. I mean, granted, it has been an incredibly long time since I saw Swingers. I could absolutely see Vince Vaughn's character from Swingers mm-hmm. in, uh, as some uh, in this movie. I'm not sure I f- uh, about Favreau. Um, I mean, it's a similar era, so maybe... Yeah, I mean, it was 96. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's the... uh, I I suppose you could probably cram that into this if you really had to. Um, I mean, it's completely uh, different. He feels what he feels. Night Live. No, no, I mean, I I absolutely respect the general impression. There's, you know, lots of instances where I've had, you know, uh, like... You know, this this like uh like um uh the music from uh from eight bit Christmas reminding me of v n v nation's dark angel mm. uh, <laughs> Jane gave me a lot of shit about that, but I stand by it so <laughs> all right, well, does anybody have any final thoughts on two hundred cigarettes? If you're looking for something to watch on New Year's, this is not the worst thing you can pick oh yeah, yeah, I mean honestly, yeah. I love it, but that's me. No, I, I, I quite like this movie. It's nothing terribly profound, but it's very agreeable. And as I say, it's sort of interesting as, uh, uh, I, I know I said it like three times already, but a time capsule inside a time capsule. Uh, basically from, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, my late youth looking back on my child, uh, on the era of my childhood mm-hmm. in ways that I had, uh, that I would have participated in neither. Uh, but, uh. I don't know. It, it it's an agreeable picture. It's uh, I thought it was a fair bit of fun. Um, individual mileage will vary. Sounds about right. All right. Well, okay. On uh, on that, why don't we go ahead and uh, take our break? We will be right back. Uh, next up, we have the Nick Hornby adaptation, A Long Way Down, starring Pierce Brosnan as a disgraced famous person, Imogene Poots as an impetuous young senator's daughter, Tony Collette as a long-suffering mother, and Aaron Paul is the only one who may actually be clinically depressed. These four hmm. people meet each other on the roof of the building they're trying to jump off of, instead forming a bond and helping each other move through their issues. It's all very sweet. I'd uh, never heard of this film. And uh, we only picked it because we picked it randomly off a uh, New Year's list, a list of movies that had New Year's in them. And uh, we were having trouble finding exactly what to do. Uh, we I says just, to ourselves, yeah. eh, it's a Nick Tornby ad- adaptation. Those are usually well, good, right? Well, I knew it was, I mean, I had heard it was very bad. That's why I kind of, that's why no one had heard of it. I knew it was from a Nick Tornby book that also wasn't well received. But I just kind of went along with it. I actually, when I was pulling this movie on Amazon, one of the first things that came up was the Ewan McGregor series a long way down. I was like, I kind of wish I was watching that instead. Yeah. <laughs> I, believe that's the, I believe that's the South America uh, season. But anyways. I, I think you may have had more to say there, Nate. Oh, no. I just, I did, I did not like this film. I tried to. I did try to like it, but I did not like it in, in the end. And a lot of it has to do with their uh, kind of saccharine interpretation of mental health. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Let's be honest here. If it wasn't about suicide, this would have been a Hallmark movie. Yeah, this is uh, this kind is of, yeah. a, this is an attempt, and I kept saying it uh, when we were watching it last night. This is an, te- an attempt to make a feel-good movie about feeling bad. 
like really, really bad. Except, I mean, I, Nate pointed it out, only one of them actually might be clinically depressed. Yeah. The others are just, I mean, we've got the, the girl who decides to run, uh, Imogen Poots, who runs full tilt at the uh, edge of the of the building and has to be tackled out of the way that this does not strike me as a uh, a typical suicide attempt <laughs> she's dramatic i mean the, her backstory is that her sister disappeared um we don't know anything about yeah, that yeah which we never um, find out about it just kind we of we never find out about it but her sister disappeared her parents were very concerned with that and not really their other sister who their other daughter who had just lost her sister and i guess she just felt the need to act out a lot i i will and say in some the... ways it was kind of fun but also mm. it, was, it was a lot of it was super predictable it, it is we'll a very in slight in a minute it's, it's a very slight picture um, yeah i i have to say the only part of it that surprised me was that we didn't find out what happened to the other sister because if this had been a hallmark movie that would have somehow been wrapped up appropriately and <laughs> the, the sister would out. yeah Yep. The sister would have been on the tropical island with them or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, when I saw Rosamund Pike's name in the credits and then later on found out about the missing sister, I'm like, I bet she plays the missing sister and she's still <laughs> going to be around. But no, she just has one little scene in, as a you know well, terrible TV show host. Well, yeah. Justin, Justin, reading up uh, on this uh, or on the background on this a little bit uh, you know, prior to the podcast, I discovered that uh, Penny, the... Uh, uh, Martin Sharp, uh, Pierce Brosnan's co-host. Uh, one of the reasons that she's so awful to them when they appear on her program uh, is uh, because she had actually had an affair with uh, with Martin at one point. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Although, mm, okay. uh, in the, that was in the novel. I have no idea if that material was filmed or even considered. Uh, but yeah, no, Rosamund Pike making a uh, a definite early impression as an absolutely you know you know smiling you know, vacuum of decency. Uh just, you know, un you know, utterly evil. I don't if the if this movie is about anything, it's about how horrible the British press is. Uh except it's not mm. about that. It's, no, it there's isn't. not enough no, of that. It's, yeah. Well, I mean there's the four personalities who've kinda got a, a narcissist who just thinks that because he's rich he can do anything he wants. We've got a woman who is looking after her, um, I guess, son, her son, uh, look, uh, like, I think CP, maybe. Cerebral yeah. palsy. Yeah. Uh, the, yes. uh, the, the credit in the closing credits was for a cerebral palsy. Uh, okay, so, and the reason why she was trying to kill herself was because her son would have gotten more help, uh, more money, and I'm, more uh, services, probably would have been put into a very good institution. They kind of backed off of that just a little bit. Well, because it she wasn't... thought she was going to make some money by lying on television about yeah. angels that look like Matt Damon. Well, it, it, <laughs> she kind of backed off of that in that when she came back to sort of revisit her reasons for wanting to kill herself or herself off the building. Um, I don't know. Maybe I misinterpreted what she was saying, but it sounded a little bit like she was, that was not actually the reason she was feeling suicidal, which kind of makes sense um but it didn't really clarify it any for us either so right. well i guess they didn't i mean i just took it at, at that Based value, value. That she, yeah i mean yeah well, i won't get into it but i mean i i i personally okay i will go into it my uh my husband was very depressed before 
he died. And he kept saying that he was worth more, you know, dead. Mm. Uh, so to, to, to me and my son. And I was like, this is not a good way to live, man. <laughs> no, that's not, a, that's not a good way to think. And it, mm -mm. it's, I mean, I claim no special insight on, on these matters, but it, it strikes me more as a, a reason for feeling the way you feel anyway. You're trying to yeah. reason your way into your depression and, and justifying it rather than actually addressing it. And that, yeah. that's much of the problem. Um, and as we point out, you know, the, I'm sorry, I forget his name, but um, what's his face from Breaking Bad? Jerry JJ? Paul. Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> JJ, yeah. Aaron Paul. Yeah, who, was... I, who I always, for some reason, confuse with Aaron Poole, yeah. who is a completely different actor. He was the most interesting to me because we don't really get his reason for being suicidal. It is either just that he's a failed artist, or, yeah, he's the one who's clinically depressed. And That's is... what it seemed like to me. Yeah. yeah, and as such, you know, was the most interesting character there. Fortunately, in the end, he gets laid, and that fixes everything. Right? Yeah, see, you know what? <laughs> I, 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 was saying to, I was saying, while they were doing the little video chat, uh, I said to Jenner, oh, I'm, you know, I'm really kind of glad that he didn't, hick, didn't hook up with, uh, with uh, Imogen Poots' character, and then boom, right there. I'm like, oh, well, yeah. they did. And then I was mad. Not, not like angry, angry, but just like, God. You know, you know, it I mean, was a very predictable movie. There's not movie. a lot to be mad about in this movie. I just felt nothing through the whole movie. I didn't hate it. <laughs> I just kind of like the one scene that kind of moved me was uh, with Tony Collette and her son near the end at the hospital. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it felt like she was in another movie. I mean, she's always great. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. The actual honestly, emotion in that scene just seemed like it was. Well, I mean, of, all, all of the actors absolutely do all, do good work. Yeah, they're, uh, they're all I mean, good. A, a special shout out for uh, uh, for Sam Neill yes. as uh, as uh, Imogen Poots's uh, dad, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the uh, the uh, the line you think you, you think you might be a little bit stupid. I'm a politician. People tell me I'm stupid every day, mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or however it goes. Just a, a nice low key turn as somebody who objectively has no idea what to do with the situation he's found himself in. Right. The the acting cannot really be particularly faulted. I think it's the screenplay that's the problem with this movie. Well, yeah. I, like we, I, I did the horribly annoying thing that I, I sometimes just can't help myself. If I can say the dialogue before the before they say it and before which it comes I, up on the screen on the which, on the on the. Uh, then I, it's super predictable. Wait, and I did I it a lot. And I'm so sorry. No. I know. He can no, no, vouch. I, it's I, terribly annoying. No, no. I, I'm not say, saying it's terribly annoying. You were absolutely right. And you did it several times during the movie. Uh, at least three. At least beta. three. I would say the line um, before they said it and before the uh, the subtitle would come up. And yeah, weirdly, welcome and, and to Hallmark movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, and, and weirdly enough, this appears to be one of the few movies that you have not previously seen and subsequently yeah, I had forgot not seen you it. saw it. <laughs> I had not seen it. When they started talking about the whole five second story and they were like framing it as this really wonderful, awe-inspiring moment, yep. I just yep. got so pissed off at it. I was like, man, fuck you. Five <laughs> second story? This oh, is the, what? When he falls off of the bridge. When he, he jumps off the bridge and the only thing he can't undo is what he just did. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Such a gross oversimplification of of mental health and it's, it, yeah. it just drives everything down into a single 
platitude, and mm-hmm. that is uh, unforgivable to me. I, I I found this movie kind of gross. I thought it was it was kind of trying to make money off of off of mental health issues that they didn't understand in any way whatsoever. I'm not so sure this movie made money. We never heard, most people have never heard of this movie. It just kind of came and went. Yeah, it's on the yeah. Roku channel. Yeah. yeah. And, and this was when, after, this was like right after Breaking Bad too. So. And I, and I mm. have to freely allow it was a real, real mistake to watch this on the Roku channel because the spacing between the commercial breaks grew shorter and shorter <laughs> with as longer, watching it. With more breaks. I mean, with, with more commercials. Like, it started out like you got through about 10, 15 minutes before a single commercial break. Just one, and then one ad. And then, you know, a little bit later, one more. A little bit later, now there's two. Yeah, for and the you know, last, and for then, the oh no, last... almost like five minutes later, there are three. Yeah. They're <laughs> still the last... here. Keep showing some more ads. For the mm-hmm. last third of the movie, because I guess they figure we're invested by that point, and yeah. credit where credit is due, damn them, we are. <laughs> um, it's uh, It was basically a commercial break literally every single scene. Every scene transition resulted in a commercial break, which is... Like I said, I didn't particularly like this movie. I found it fairly agreeable as I was watching, but it was one of those things that fell apart. The uh, you know when I thought about it even a little, um, yeah. No, I I still should have dropped the dollar to watch it on Amazon Prime, so at least I wouldn't have have had commercials. I I was gonna say my movie cost more to rent on Amazon, and that's only because they wouldn't let me let me set it cheaper. Ninety nine cents is the cheapest I've ever seen a movie for rent on Amazon, so that yeah. should tell you something about how yeah. this movie did. Yeah, oh, if yeah. you if, if you're you curious, a... go ahead and spend the ninety nine cents just to save yourself the frustration. You'll go. It's okay, got I'm its only out a dollar. I'm not yeah. out three hours worth of commercials. It took forever. I mean, that just, movie took forever is, for us to watch. Just me, or was there every scene on the roof was just terrible green screen? Is that? Yes. Was did it? I see that wrong? No. Or, 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 did anyone else detect too. that? It just looked I, I weird. Honest, but... For my part, I thought it was pretty good green screen. I didn't notice it. Uh, but what I did notice is that gorgeous place that they went. Oh, my gosh. That tropical oh, vacation oh, that the, they uh, took. The Mamma Mia I, Island? I, is that it? I want to <laughs> no, go there. But... <laughs> I want to like go it. wherever that is. Tenerife. I hate beaches. Yeah. Mallorca. Uh, yeah, I, I hate beaches. I hate sunshine. Uh, you know, but that place looked amazing. I would, uh, that bucket list for sure. I'm sure all the actors were very appreciative for the scene. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder I, if well, that wasn't like part of their, you know, incentive to get like on bigger, board with this really kind of shitty script. Yeah. Figure Pier, Pierce. <laughs> like really? Yeah, figure Aaron Paul saying, well, it's a bad movie, but it's a good vacation. Yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe they thought, hey, Nick Hornby, he wrote High Fidelity. That's a great movie. Maybe, yeah, this, maybe this is, will be good. This is very minor as Nick Hornby adaptations go. Most yeah. of the Nick Hornby adaptations have been, have been pretty good. Um, still need to see the uh, 2020 uh, High Fidelity series. Liked the original High Fidelity, although I freely have to allow my favorite scene in High Fidelity is actually one of the deleted scenes from High Fidelity, which is just a perfect short film in its own right. Um, the bit where John Cusack's character uh, goes out to um, a, uh, a place that is owned by uh, Beverly D'Angelo, who is trying to divest herself of her ex-husband's extraordinary record collection. <laughs> 
Um, but, uh, yeah, no, this, and uh, I, I saw about a boy. It did not strike with me the way that it did, uh, uh, that it uh, seems to have hit a lot of people. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, most of his stuff is fine. This, this, this has got problems. And I've given to understand that the novel had less problems, but it still had problems as well. Yeah, I wonder how mental health is treated in the novel, like if it's any different at all, uh, or if maybe Nick Hornby just doesn't doesn't understand what he's writing about. Sorry, I'm not going to read it for you, so I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I know in the in the book, JJ is supposed to be 48 years old. Uh, and delivering pizza. Is, is, yeah, actually, oh, okay. yes, and and still, it's still a failed musician. So that's mm. a little bit of. I don't know. That's more or less interesting than the Aaron Paul version. It makes more sense. Yeah, I, I will say I find that there was something there in the character that Pierce Brosnan plays because he is a reprehensible human being, and we catch him after he's been caught out. And it strikes me that that could be a very interesting place to tell a story from. In that, I mean. Even though we don't see any of it, the summary we're given, which is like two sentences long of his offense, is enough to make us hate this character. And I find, think that could be an interesting place to tell a story from. They didn't tell an interesting story from that place. Yeah, the no, they did, and he was just not apologetic at all. No, well, he was I mean, like, the, the... "Oh darn, I've lost my fame. I can't get into restaurants easily anymore." Well, it's more like you know? it, it's more like his character wouldn't be apologetic. He's his character. No, that's it's fine. A morning they, they, host. They There's nothing he can do. It's uh... they, they didn't <laughs> lean into it enough, and Brosnan. They should have gone one way or another. Yeah, it should have like, done something. Be really sorry, <laughs> or not. You know, like. I don't know. But I, I, I was, right. from the start, when they introduced his character, I was actually very interested at that point. I'm like, what are they going to do with this? And it turns out they didn't do anything. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, amongst other things, Brosnan was kind of resisting leaning into the sleazoidness to the mm-hmm. point where he's completely likable, even for all of his whole fame thing, aside from... You know, they, you know, they keep circling back to, oh, oh yeah, you know, fucked a 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the problem is, I think he's trying too hard to remain likable in spite of the character that he's playing. Uh, it, it may be a measure of miscasting there. Yeah, yeah it's I Pierce Brosnan. He's a likable guy. He's a likable yeah. actor. He's, and, he's and, he does, and he doesn't want to be unlikable. And uh, if you yeah. if if you were Pierce Brosnan, you probably wouldn't want to be unlikable. Yeah, would you uh, would you sacrifice your likability for this movie? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he sacrificed. No. He, he didn't sacrifice he didn't. anything. No, if nobody saw the movie. I'm saying, would you? <laughs> I mean, if anything, the sleazoid aspect of the character is one of the more interesting choices, albeit something that came from the original source material. Mm-hmm. At at the same time, the movie does its best to sanitize it as it goes along and of course Brosnan seems to be sort of trying to help it along so you get like the narcissism of fame but you don't get the absolute shame of the actual thing that he done did yeah the only glimpse we get of that is when they they tackle Imogene Poots at the very beginning and she's like get off me you pervert Oh, you are a pervert, like certified. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I mean. Granted, the scene in on Rosamund Pike's uh, TV show yeah. is horrible. Uh, I mean, to the point of being stunningly uncomfortable to watch. Not least for you know they should should have never been trying what they, to do what they were doing mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. 
like obviously, but at the same time, just the, that 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 scene was one big manifest itch. That's the edgiest thing in the movie. Yeah. Um, that that led to something that I thought was going to be interesting, but not. But someone mentioned that because of the story they were telling, people in the city were starting to believe in angels and ghosts and stuff. Yeah. I thought that was going to be something, and then it was. I mean, like many other things, it just wasn't anything. If it was a Hallmark movie, there would have been some angels. Yeah, we would have seen <laughs> Matt Damon. They they keep hand, down on they, a they on a cloud hand. with a halo. And this <laughs> is the overall problem. Look alike. And this is the overall problem of the movie. Jesse is it Clemens. Keep, it keeps hand. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> this is the overall problem of the movie. Is it? Uh, I mean, realistically, if you read the Bible, Jesse Plemons looks a lot more like an angel than Matt Damon. But leaving that aside for the moment, uh, still a, a very passing resemblance at best. Uh, the movie keeps hand waving its heavier elements. It, mm-hmm. it it is trying, and like I say, this ultimately. It was a neutral statement when I said it when we were watching the movie, but ultimately I think it may be a negative. It is trying way too hard to be a feel-good movie about suicidal tendencies because we never really believe in any of these characters' suicidal tendencies as ferociously as they perform them. Well, that's just it. They they weren't. I mean, each character had a different reason for being up there. Only one of them was actual suicide i mean only one of them is actually i mean uh, like i say props to aaron paul for a really good performance mm-hmm. that is really under uh, in a really underwritten role in this movie mm-hmm. uh, i mean at yeah, the end he was great at the end he basically turns you know back into a plot device yeah. uh you know the the script itself you know having kind of circled around to uh you know through all of the major characters perspectives ends up kind of robbing him as, of his agency it's, uh, by, you know, making him, you know, do go back to the roof as a cry for help, quote-unquote, uh, rather than, you know, actually being seriously freaking suicidal. The movie doesn't take suicidal tendencies or suicidal ideation seriously, and that's a problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it basically says at the end, you know, Oh, just find your happy place, as if just that's find some your happy sort of place solution. Yeah, find your people. Yeah, <clears throat> get laid. Yeah. <laughs> but see, only one of them actually cited and had depression as one of his. Uh, you know, Aaron Paul. Yeah, I mean the others. The others uh, were the suicidal rest of them ideation. had. They, yeah. they, you know, they had intentions. I mean, but honestly, you know. One guy was just humiliated, and mm-hmm. that makes sense. I mean, he wanted it to stop. He was not used to his life being, you know, a certain way. And then there was uh, the Tony one, one, Nicolette, one of, oh. Tony Collette's, uh, uh, you know, that she was trying to get a better life for her son somehow. She didn't even really have it worked out. Yeah. And then Imogen Poots. Was she was just a try-hard. Well, no. She needed to shock her parents or you know i mean she was going through her own thing i mean she had you know dealt with her sister's death pretty much by herself and and she was needing her parents uh attention and doing something like that would certainly get their attention i mean credit where credit is final imogen poots works harder than anybody else in this movie i mean you can kind of see the work happening but uh, I mean, at the same time, she is uh, giving an absolutely ferocious performance of uh, the 
well, the sort of person that you invite to one party and probably don't invite to another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> she's not likable, but that's okay. She's she really felt like she was in a different movie in parts. I mean, just mm-hmm. the she's the... the in, in, her, in her case, more than any other, uh, more than any of the rest of them, the suicidal... Well, okay, maybe in Tony Collette's, but in a, a completely different way. The, uh, the suicidal tendency was absolutely a passing fancy. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, she was all like, I'm going to go make breakfast for Maddie. Well, in, that was it. Yeah, I mean, Imogene Poots in the end turns into the uh-huh. magical pixie dream girl. That's yeah. what I was thinking, too. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know. She's crazy, and it's adorable. Isn't it adorable? <laughs> yes. BBC, BBC tells you that it's adorable. Yeah. She was the one I thought needed the most therapy. She'd do well with therapy. Yeah, she, she did. Yeah. No, I can see that. I mean, it... It, it says she became therapy for JJ. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make it much cruder. Yeah. So, you know, y'all just... I'm, yeah. You can no, fill I'm... in the blanks there. Because JJ sure did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, guys. Yeah, the, the movie's a weak sauce. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, I mean what, find a point on one, th- one thing I really hated was where they would jump to a character, have their name scrawled on the screen, then they would narrate for a little bit, which made it seem like it was going to be a flashback or something that, that would give their backstory. And then it, it just wasn't. It was just in the present day, and they're just narrating for a couple minutes. My impression is that's a device carried over from the novel, but the yeah, novel actually followed through. I'm, yeah, I'm, I was going to assume the novel has like the POV chapters, like Game of Thrones style, where this chapter is about JJ from his point of view or whatever, and they're just trying to. That was just their way of adapting it, which didn't work at all and was kind of confusing and just annoying. Well, initially, when they did that with Imogene, I thought that the story was going to be her following everyone around and getting insight into the characters, and it was all going to be from her perspective, and it was going to turn into some sort of a. Not exactly a mystery, but a. a exploration of the characters in that fashion instead we get about that three minutes of that and then i was about to say i think i had the, i think i had the same feeling i i it is an interesting plot device that a lot that all of the characters spend most of the movie low-key stalking each other um mm. when when they aren't actually together um, i mean i think that's just a way to keep them together that's the complete yeah no, it, i mean it would, it's interesting it, but it would be more interesting in a movie that made it make sense mm. Um, there, there are lots of interesting elements of this movie that could have lent themselves to some really interesting narratives. Like, I, 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 the, the way that you just put that a moment ago almost makes me like the idea of an ensemble film that is viewed from the standpoint, from the standpoint of some other character who is stalking all of them. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> that could make for an interesting horror movie. It doesn't make for... A particularly interesting. I mean, Wikipedia describes a long way down as a black comedy. It is not a black comedy. Not I didn't laugh. Funny. Did you laugh? Not funny. No. Yeah, well, I, mean, I laugh at uh, nothing. Well, no. Uh, in it's this also case, not black. Well, no. That, uh, uh, that exactly. The, mm-hmm. the issue. The, the issue I'm taking with here is not. Uh, I mean, basically, it's a. Uh, it's a film that's attempting to be a dark comedy, but it is shot and scripted and edited like a romantic comedy. Um, it isn't, but it's made like one. And, I mean, up to and including the rather tinkly score from Dario Marianelli, who, it, it's a perfectly sky- fine score, but it is absolutely tonally off for what this movie probably should have been. 
Then, then again, realistically, the movie itself is tonally off from what it should have been. I think the director was a rom-com director, but I don't remember where from. I think Hallmark maybe... Channel. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think maybe French. Oh, okay. Actually, that balances some stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I th- uh, French, uh, I believe. Yes, he is uh, I, French. Uh, I do not know any of this person's other work. Uh, uh, Assistant Pascal director Sh- on Fifth Element and Leon Pascal the Chaumet. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, so uh, one of uh, one of Besson's guys, but uh, even so, yeah, no. As far as I know, yeah, did not do much by way of uh, film work after this. Uh, passed away in 2015, oh. so not long after this was made. Which I mean, it's kind of a pity because the movie's shot well, it's edited <laughs> well, it's just not scripted well. Uh, granted. This would almost make sense as a populist, not art house, mind you, not the stuff that we get to see, but a populist French comedy. The problem is French comedies are the worst thing in the world. <laughs> Jerry Lewis. French comedies make Italian comedies look good. Uh, yeah, well, what, what about Chinese comedies? Chinese comedies are wacko. I like Chinese comedies. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> each well, their own. Well, I was going to say, are we talking Hong Kong or mainland? Because um, I can't vouch for I can't vouch for mainland. The what was it? The the Talk dragon rises Chow. from the dead. Um, oh no, I freaking love those things. What are oh, you talking about? <laughs> that and no, Hong, Hong there's Kong. There's a point comedy. where it becomes teeth grittingly bad when no, you know, I mean, you've got I mean, Popeye ba- okay, fighting the Godfather and the Exorcist. It becomes. <laughs> And that's not I even mean... a joke. I mean, it is a joke, but it does actually happen. But it's funny. <laughs> well, no, I mean, a Hong Kong, I'm com- laughing. Hong Kong comedies at least have, uh, even from the high era of Hong Kong movies, at least had the convictions of their absolute bonkerness. Mm. Uh, like I say, I, popular in France, uh, comedies are just horrible. They're just the worst. Uh, uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> leaving that rant aside. Uh, doesn't look like this guy actually directed that sort of shit, which is a positive thing uh, in his favor. It's shot fine. It's, it is made fine. It is a movie that is way too, or trying deliberately to be way too frickin' nice for its own good. That's, that's my final thought on the subject. Uh, I'm gonna say, don't watch the ones with, the ones with commercials, because then you're gonna be invested far longer than you want to be. And don't waste your 99 cents on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah. Go see Shane's movie instead for a That's little bit. That's right. More. Let's all sure. see Shane's movie. Well, it's only $3 to rent. Or $2. I can't remember. It's, it's more than 99 cents. Yeah. Sur- sur- search on Art you House you and, pay for. and have patience until you find the thing that is actually titled Art, Art House. House. Well, you know, uh, on this show, um, we we're always spoilerific with stuff and and just kind of discuss things as though the audience has actually seen them. This may be one of the few episodes where people really just don't know what the hell is going on in this in this episode because I don't think anybody has seen this movie. And also, uh, two hundred cigarettes is not available for streaming anywhere. Apparently. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so. Uh... Good, good luck with this episode. We appreciate your <laughs> indulgence. Uh, now, and hopefully, I, 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 you know, we'll come up with things that are more popular in the new year. There, so. there, need to, there need to be better New Year's movies. There need to be more and better New Year's movies, or we need to erase our memories of the Hudsucker Proxy so, so we can see it again. 
that's <laughs> th these are our options. Well, maybe this... we could put a rewatch on the pile. Hmm? End of Days. We could watch End of Days. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've never seen End of Days. I saw I End really of Days in the theater. I really am kind of intrigued, but I so think I've I. seen it. Shane has never I, seen I, End of Days. That's what we're going to do next year. Okay. Next year I do, for, I do for, know. I, I do know that uh, Dwayne Johnson's character in Southland Tales is named after Schwarzenegger's character from End of Days. That Jericho is correct. Kane. That's that the correct. only thing I know wow. about End of Days. I've forgotten that. Okay, so next New Year's we're watching Southland Tales and, and End of Days is what you're saying. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> sure. fine. We need, we need a Southland Tales episode. I've been avoiding episode. Southland Tales. Okay. I will oh, be wait, drunk you haven't for seen that it? one. <laughs> yes. I think we all that was it, That was pretty much implicit. But yeah. uh, that that's a movie we need to talk about. That's all I'm saying. I, and it also <laughs> needs to be longer than an hour. I don't think yeah. you, you can't cover Southland Tales in an hour. No, no, no. that's that's going to be a project in its own right. Uh, but, well, uh, I guess we could just do it as a one episode show. <laughs> well, no, I, I Southland Tales. Well, no, we we can spend like forty five minutes on uh, on Southland Tales and then like fifteen on End of Days because it's really not terribly consequential. No. But, uh, <laughs> But it is set around New Year's, so um. it fits the criteria, <laughs> uh, as as these movies did. Uh, <laughs> on that, uh, we're gonna remember go ahead to like, and... share, and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's gonna yeah, that's gonna do it we'll, for us. <laughs> we'll see you next year. <laughs> you can find uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at What's on the Pile, or you can visit our website, What's on the See, I have a whole thing I have to say. <laughs> All right. Thanks for hanging out.